Welcome to Talking in Stations. This is Matterall. It is May 6th. I believe that is the 18th birthday of Eve Online. So Eve is turning 18 and they call that Capsuleer Day. So to help celebrate, we got some TIS members here, starting with Rundle. How you doing, Rundle? Doing great today. Happy birthday, Eve Online. Happy 18th. <laughs> no jokes there. <laughs> yeah, no jokes allowed. Uh, Caleb's here with us, staying up on European soil. Yeah, it's great when Chad actually does the work for us. <laughs> also, Manixar, long time no see. Oh, well, yeah, I'm back. Uh, so Good to see you. All right. Our, our, uh, uh, actually, Manixar, we should just say, is, uh, is going to make some more appearances. Uh, he was the original co-host of... Uh, this whole thing, we did it as a duo. The um, This whole thing, I mean the Newsday portion of it, like the everyday. And he's the reason a lot of this had some really good qualities to begin with. And slowly I deteriorated the quality of the show over the months, and he's back to kind of fix it up. So, Right, right. So up the quality, hopefully uh, the content. Uh, How should I take that? Oh, no, that's totally on me. Totally no, on no, me. No. <laughs> totally on me. Uh, and Rundle also, uh, Rundle and Mannix uh, are going to start taking days uh, on their own. So you're going to see their faces uh, in the future flying solo with their uh, with a crew for them. So it's going to be uh, fantastic to have a diversity of really capable hosts. And that's what we're trying to do. But we'll also team up and uh, and do other things. So we'll be mixing it up, but that'll be a regular crew, at least for the uh, for the future. So if you want to ignore, if if you want to avoid the Caldari spin, uh, just ignore the shows with the Rundle on them. Yeah, it'll be twenty-four. It was Caldari all day, every day. It'll be the Caldari show with Rundle all nighter. The Caldari show. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you don't even look Caldari. You look. Oh well, I guess you do. Yeah, yeah sure, Caldari. Well, you got the Caldari he's, he's totally... mean stare. <laughs> He's got the Kadari background and everything. He's all Kadari. All right. Well, uh, we have one guest. Let's not be uh, rude to our guest here. Uh, his name is Chen. Uh, he's from uh, Army of Mango. How are you doing, Chen? Doing great. Hi, everyone. Hey, you may remember, Chen. He uh, came on to some of our industrial roundtables uh, early on. He's a null set guy, but he does a number of things. One of them is industrial stuff. So he was looking at these... Uh, production changes that were coming through. Uh, we wanted to check back in with them and uh, talk with him about, invite him to talk about some of the stuff that's going on with uh, Army of Mangoes right now, as there seems to be some action uh, in Esoteria, which we'll cover a little bit later in the show. So welcome back, uh, Shen. Thanks. All right. Well, join us then for this first part as we uh, go through some of the news uh, today. Uh, so the first thing is, I'll share my screen, but Mannix, what's, uh, what's the headline of the day? Well, Eve turned 18. Uh, we've got uh, Capsular Day, uh, some new skins, uh, bonuses, uh, new ships coming if you do the seven-day login. So a lot of it. Eight uh, days. There. Eight, eight day, days. Eight, eight days are worth. Eight, eight days. Yep. My bad. Eight days. Yep. Let's have a look at that. We have them listed here. Anything yeah, good don't in there? Yeah, don't forget to slide over by one day when you. Yeah. 
That's true. Uh, it is really weird. They only show seven days here. Uh, as you progress, eventually it'll slide over on its own automatically. So it shouldn't be a problem. But don't be fooled. It's not seven days. There'll be uh, one more. They just hide off the uh, side there on the right-hand side. Well, at the top there, it, it says zero out of eight. So, Yeah, but who reads that? They're just looking at what they're getting. Not me, obviously. So yeah. there you go. So uh, Apotheosis is a ship that uh, they've given away in the past. Do you remember when they gave that away? Was that the 10th anniversary? Or the 5th, I think it was. That's I'm a sure in the 1st. What's that? But I, I'm pretty sure they've given that ship away every every year. Really? Oh, okay. Uh, I, I remember it uh, as rare. Since, That's the shuttle, right? Yeah, it's the yeah, shuttle. Yeah, the shuttle. Yeah. I remember the, the, the last few uh, capsular days I've I've gotten that ship. Yeah, I think... I think I've got like four or five of them. They gave something away on the 5th, and I think it was that Apotheosis ship. And then on the 10th anniversary, they gave away the Gnosis. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. The yes. Battlecruiser. The first time, yes. Yeah. And then I think they started giving them away a lot more often. So they right. there was a point yes, where they were rare, and then they started becoming a lot more common. And you guys can correct me on that if I'm off, but I think that's what it was. I believe you're correct. All right, um, so don't forget to log in, get these rewards. Yeah, a lot of skill points, to be honest, if you're an Omega. Uh, some decent amount, uh, and a lot of skins if you're Alpha. But being Omega this time, as you see on the screen, we'll get all these skill points and you know four ships. It's pretty, pretty nice. It ends on the eighth day with uh, 250,000 skill points if you're uh, Omega, so like... Uh, three hundred and twenty-five thousand, I think, just for Omega. What's the uh, Alpha? Yeah, Alpha gets a hundred and twenty-five thousand or something. So I think a fair amount, like half a million or something like that. What's I'm the doing my uh, math right? Or four hundred. What's the profit? Uh, or what's the uh, profit on the Praxis right now? What, what are they going for in the market? Uh, right before today it was two hundred million ish, but today I think it cuts down to like one ten something like that in Judah. Wow. Dropper. I mean, it happens every year. It goes up every year, and then it's sometimes in the beginning of May and just crash down. I think that's what right. saw last year. Yeah, about 170 million in Gita right now. So these ships are from the uh, Society of Conscious Thought, I think. Well, again, uh, one of the problems and, and reasons that I'm very much opposed to this is that the, what was already hinted at, right? The price then crashes when we get these events, right? And uh, um, you log in your. 300 or 500 or 800 zombie accounts and you completely flush the market with something that was supposed to be rare i don't i'm not a fan of uh, login rewards i think those rewards should actually be in space and require some action and not just a login uh you should they should be earned you mean yeah and it, it, it's okay if it's easy it's just that this is borderline why we well this is kind of why we got a pacifier gate and the and the whole problem with the the price range of uh, of those ships, right? Because some of the people that went to FanFests and and Vegas actually did have uh, a lot of zombie accounts, right? And I just think that it's a problem. Um, I don't think logging logging in should be enough, right? Because it it's almost automatable, right? It's almost something that you can, uh, well. You can do it without really getting at least noticed if you're automating it completely and botting it. So uh, I'm not a fan, and I've always been opposed to this. The same with 
the almost uh, excessive giveaways on uh, newborn accounts. I I don't think it's healthy for a game that is so strongly driven by ecosystem and economy. I think it's uh, undermining things and messing so, up the economy. So you think it'd be better if they gave BPCs out for the ships instead of the ships themselves? Almost, almost yeah. yeah that, that's that's actually a, a, a nice uh, uh, middle ground. I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Yeah, but you, you have to remember, like, those ships cost, like, five Tritanium. That's it. Right, well, that would be different. It would probably be more in line if they gave it to BPCs than the other tier one cruisers or, or faction and or faction ships of that uh size yeah, like, even even if they only took five titanium to build if there was a skill requirement you would still be a little bit uh required to then sell all the ones that you got from your zombie farm because you can't build it on the character that you're zombie farming right i don't know i like free shit so i kind of like it so uh I like players building stuff in the game. I like everything being built by players. Uh, like these ships and AT ships are one of the few besides the Corvettes that are not built by players, right? Well, the um, <clears throat> the idea is these ships come from, I think, society of uh, unconscious thought or conscious thought. Yeah, there's something yeah, like there's that. lore behind it. Yeah, and uh, so there's some lore behind it. These things were usually giveaways. I don't think you could build them before. They came at anniversaries. That's why they were given out. And you have the Apotheosis is the frigate or shuttle-sized one. Then you have the uh, Gnosis, which is the battle cruiser. And then you have the uh, Praxis, was it? That is the battleship. Yeah. The battleship. Yeah. It looks like these giant earrings. And you get uh, the Sinesis in this giveaway as well, which is the destroyer. Sinesis, yes. The Sinesis. That's the one I forgot. It's great. So we're getting them all. It sounds like they're rounding them all up and celebrating. I think uh, EVE Online is... Uh, 18 is a big year for it. Of course, a lot of games don't last past three years. Uh, more like three to five years. They kind of peak early on because expectations are so high. I'm thinking of like Conan and um, oh, yeah. uh, a few of these games. They, they just yeah. peak really early and then they're, they crash. Star Wars Galaxies crashed within five City of years. Heroes and City of Villains, even good examples there. <clears throat> right. Then you have some that, do, uh, that have a really good... Uh, opening and then just never ever have that heyday again like uh oh dungeons and dragons or rift uh i, I never played rift yeah, yeah or uh but, but all of really those good, are sorry all of those yeah, are for replayability right you, it's fine that they're 10 15 18 years old and it's fun that you can see your kids actually playing them but they don't have history and this is what makes Eve such a different thing, right? A different beast. That's 18 years of history, not just 18 years of, well, fundamentally the same game. Well, it's a good time to right. talk about this article that just came out on Rock, Paper, Scissors. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Maniscar, you were going to make a point. What was that? I was just making a point that uh, I, believe, I think the game was called Ashran's Call. But someone did a really good documentary on a game, an MMO that was that actually shut down, and it kind of interviewed some of the uh, like mainstay players and how they felt with their like game shutting down. It's, it's pretty interesting. I've been through a game that shut down. It's it's uh, incredibly tragic. Yeah, the the people were emotionally devastated. Some of them, uh, yeah, that, that it happened. I don't think people considered that if you've been through a dying game. 
it's one of the saddest things like ever. Yeah. I'm a little emotionally devastated today, but I'll wait for that story. We'll come back to that. <laughs> yeah. Hold that, hold that tear for camera when we get to that scene. <laughs> um, but the, uh, uh, here is a uh, rock, paper, shotgun. I said scissors, but rock, paper, shotgun sure. article. It has Hilmar on it. And he's talking about how the longevity of EVE Online on the occasion of its birthday. And so that's worth checking out. We'll put that uh, in the show notes. Uh, fun addition to that, um, on today's uh, birthday stream from CCP TV, um, they found some very, very old newspaper articles from 2001 and 2002. And it's actually funny, some of the things that uh, they quoted from that. One of them being, this is potentially going to be a game that will never sunset. And it's just funny that that was in there in the article in 2002. And the developers very early on were not really developing the game with a very certain uh, belief in that, right? They, they, I don't think they really believed that that was going to be possible, but they knew that it, it was there as a maybe. It's just funny that they actually ended up being very right, and we are moving into what well, the third decade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we're approaching the third decade. Well, the idea, uh, the game wasn't really, I think, I don't know if it's common knowledge or lore, like company lore, not game lore, that they they came out of the gates with huge ambitions. Then they, um, but they had a very small population. I mean, if you look at the, let's actually look at that. It was serenity size. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll go to uh, the EVE offline and check the monitor for, you know, what the player, what the uh, lifespan of Tranquility was as far as uh, population. We'll open this It looks slightly similar to the subscribers on TIS. That, yeah, right. And if that's the truth, that's, that's pretty good. You can that see this. It out fairly, fairly small, <laughs> like microscopic, and then it just explodes. Let me make that bigger so we can see it really well. Well, here's the population over time from 2003 to today. And as you can see, it, well, it looks like Godzilla's back, right? When Godzilla's going underwater kind of thing. But, but <laughs> if you look, the heads over here are the beginning... And they were talking four or five thousand, right? You had server crashes. There's a lot of, there's a lot of just technical hurdles to get over. This was one of the only, if if the only one shard or single shard game where everybody was in the same world. And if you think well, about that, be, yeah, for well, many years they were right the only ones that even offered something remotely like this, and they had massive technical problems early on, right? They've basically they had made a game that did things that the hardware shouldn't really be able to do and yeah there was a lot of things like well one of the things that got removed fairly early was that ccp wanted to have mines in the game and yeah they've been uh, removed almost since day one because like those proximity just, mines yeah proximity <laughs> mines and uh, um, not harvesting now, mines. yeah the anaconda mine but funny fact uh, they're going to get introduced or they should actually be in the game now um in an npc event they have re-imagined uh, the proximity models i think that's kind of interesting and fun right. In fact. right okay so at the beginning there's this thing of having it all in one universe now think back to your first mmo 
if you played more than one. What was it like? Well, you thought, I really want to be good at this and get with a good group and grow in reputation. But at a certain point, whenever you ran across another, say, Star Wars player, you'd say, what server are you on? And they'd say, oh, I'm on Bloodfin or I'm on Intrepid. And if they were on a different server, you'd be like, okay, well, we can only have so much in common. Uh, you're not in my village. And so it was a very separating thing. And then there was different servers that had different reputations and you might've wanted to join a certain server and take all that mindset. And it's still like that for most of these games and throw that out. Now you have one world, one war, one server, single shard, EVE Online. And that was a spark to the imagination. But and it, you can see that on the sales, right? You yeah. can see how powerful that USP was. And again, I will still say that I think there would have been more growth left in EVE Online if we hadn't gone through the Summer of Rage, because that's kind of when they started undermining their own USP. Everything Merrill just said with, with one shard, one universe, one economy, uh, one ecosystem, right? The whole cycle of life thing, how it's all PvP centric, but not just uh, player versus player, but also player to player. So collaboration and uh, uh, competition, right? It, it, it was both. It was so unique and still is. There's nothing out there that does anything remotely like you online. And the fact that, especially in the early days, it slowly started dawning on the, the player base that this is a story we make. This is not like uh, World of Warcraft or any of these other games where, well, the content is the same. When, when someone locks into EVE at a later date, it's a different game. The whole universe has kind of moved on. And then the whole discussion with the uh, catch-up mechanics. But because of the initial design of skill training, there was really no need for this whole drama of catch-up mechanics because it's very much, or it was very much like uh, in, in uh, uh, pen and paper games, right? The, it's an exponential thing. So yes, you might be at a skill level five, but catching up to skill level four is very easy because of the exponential growth, right? So even though you start out as a skill level nothing, you're going to eventually catch up skill level wise, not skill points wise, but skill level wise. So it was actually something that I think was lost when we got skill points injection. All right. So then they had, after the beginning of the game, they had kind of a plateau and they were dealing with all kinds of things here, right? And that's why you see it's like, oh, population 5,000. And then it kind of gets a bump up to about 10,000. And then they have what's called the climb to 200,000. And that was this massive ambition to to really populate this space universe and uh, create a, a much, much bigger place. And this would obviously get the economy going and all these other things. At the beginning, a lot of the economy was NPC-based. So you just buy things at a certain price that was regulated and you would sell it at the same price that was regulated. And it was a way was of- only for one year. Was that just one, one year? Two, yeah, yeah, it was only one or two years before they actually removed the, the training wheels when it comes to NPC supply and demand, it, it was really, really fast that they left all of that to the So place. by the time they had 10,000 players, they start working the economy. But there were still remnants of that. I mean, you yeah. have all the PI was NPC-based up until like 2000, until That's PI right. came in. Go ahead. It's man. important to remember that this is concurrent players. So there's, even though it says there's 40,000, there's probably closer to 200,000 actual players or more. 
Uh, this is just the people yeah, just, that were online at that time. Just to answer, uh, Madderall, the things you're talking about when you're talking about commodities, um, back in the day, CCP wanted to have a um, shipping and logistics um, mini game, right? And that was NPC seeded. So that's why you had these fluctuations between sell and buy between commodities. Uh, that eventually got taken over kind of uh, mostly by uh, by players because these things had utility in tech two. But today, I don't think there's a lot of people that actually use <clears throat> any of the leftover uh, NPC commodity system because it was never really very good um, because we don't have activity-based or at least useful activity-based uh, supply and demand. So that algorithm was kind of uh, weirdly artificial and dumb. Uh, and never really well it worked. it gave it gave new bros uh, a job i i did it yeah 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 you can I do would, something like that for what that meant days, then it becomes useful for those that don't understand what we're talking about what that meant is there would be something on sale in galente space for 5 isk and then it would sell for in minmatar space for 25 isk so you actually could go pick some stuff up in galente space ship it haul it over and make a profit uh, and it was just something to do. It wasn't a huge profit, but it was a thing to do. Okay, so anyway... The... What you just gave us an example was 500%, so that didn't exist. It was more like a 15% margin, right? Yeah, so yeah, was, I exaggerate like for purpose. 105 and 125. Yeah, yeah. I exaggerated for purpose. But again, you could fit a bunch in your hold or whatever. Um, you can see there was a massive, massive climb all the way up from 2005 up until really about 2008, um, yeah, about 2008 was just a massive climb. The imagination was struck. People started coming to the game. They essentially heard you could, you know, grief people. <laughs> That's kind of what the draw was. You could be a bad boy in a space universe, and the, the company was just going to be hands-off, you know. Dude, you guys do what you do. And then uh, in 2009, um, I believe this giant spike here is when it appeared on Steam. Uh, but there's a huge jump. I don't know. Lost and Eve launched then. I don't know. It could be that too. Yeah, it could be that, right? That your your old show that you were hosting. The old show, yeah. yeah. The old show. We we went out on the airwaves. Yeah. E massive ramp in interest e in e the game. Evangelists appear. It's the it's the, it's the Rundle All Nighter spike. Let's just call it that, right? It's like a vertical wall. It's like straight up. Yeah, that's definitely a Lost and Eve uh, spike. And. Uh, what you had, I think, were um, uh, 2009 through, oh, let's just say 2014, right, which was a massive population uh, increase. Now, we don't know how many of those were automated, right? Uh, but uh, there was just a ton of activity. It felt like Eve was growing when it would hit 50, 60,000 people during the, uh, the day. You, you were thinking like, wow, this thing might actually go. This is the right place to be. Uh, but again, all video games were peaking at this time, even open, especially open world games. Yeah, even yeah. MMOs. And, and at that time, everything that CCP was talking about was almost to the point and, and, and letter the same vision that uh, is now seen in Scam Citizen. Sorry, Star Citizen. Yeah, and there's also a lot of other really neat things happening in the world, right? Uh, more widespread access to the internet, more widespread access to, you know, systems that can handle graphical-based games or, you know, intensive numerical games. Uh, 
these things are happening very rapidly 2008 through 2012 yeah. Um, you could you could have a, a five six hundred dollar gaming computer and run most any MMO. Right, uh, and the price point had really dropped. Right from two thousand and eight to two thousand and ten, the price it flipped. Right, you right. didn't need a three grand computer to run a game like this, or or even World of Warcraft, or any of the other big ones which were you know starting right around this time, or EverQuest that was tra- ending up at, you know still kind of winding down at this point. You could use a a six seven hundred dollar computer and be fully engaged in the game not really lagging be on the internet you didn't have to use dial up anymore there's you know cable modems and all that there's a this just confluence of technology that also assisted not just eve online but all the games in in the you know in the gaming space but eve certainly found its found its way in that range Fifty thousand people concurrently playing every day all day now again you don't know if there are people these are concurrent players. It could be time zone issues, uh, et cetera. So there's a lot of things. But games were popular. The sweet spot of video games in general is 2013. That was pretty much like when incredible games were coming out. Uh, yeah. And then you had 2000. Um, then you had a giant decrease, which happened really after Phoebe Jump changes, I think. the uh, Phoebe Jump changes really... Uh, it, people who had kind of uh, worked up to capital ships and were able to basically jump without... Think about this. There was a time where you could jump without any delay. Uh, you could just jump over and over and over and over again. And so a group like Pandemic Legion would literally have sinos all over the map. And you could go from the top of the map to the bottom of the map in like less than a half hour, less than 15 minutes. They were just zooming around, picking up wherever there was a fight you know, PL would show up eventually and start fighting. And at that point, uh, something had to be done. So they said, you know what? You can't do that anymore. You can move your big ships, but it's going to take you a long time to be combat ready after that. And people left. A lot of Blops guys left because it affected them tremendously. They could only get one or two kills a night, whereas before they were fishing all night long. And uh, so a lot of those guys took Yeah, uh, that wasn't really healthy gameplay, really. It was, uh, it was a very, I think the idea was to constrict movement, and I thought it was a great idea because it made the game bigger. You could only be a neighborhood right. bully as opposed to, you know, the entire city, a crime boss. It was a different scale. Uh, but remember the, back then the, the hard limit on, on Space Age was even worse, right? Um, what Space Age? This is why I, space fatigue. Well, space fatigue, Yeah, right? so you, yeah. you get to a point where you can't jump anymore until your timer yeah. runs down. Yeah. And at first, that could be a, as long as a month. Way more hard limit, right? And and hard limits are just a really, really bad right. solution to anything. And I, 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 I still think it's a problem that we have it. I, I would actually like to get rid of uh, fatigue and and get it tied into something like con- consumable. So you actually have to pay to be able to do these things, but you should still be able to have the choice. Removing agency with a hard limit is always bad for game design. Regardless of All right, well, here's here's how it came to be. And, and I don't know if many people think of it in these terms, but you have a game that's growing past the capability of servers in this era, and you have to basically keep the game from crashing. So they devised this idea called uh, time dilation, tie-dye, that would allow game time to slow down in the area on the server where people were amassing. But the byproduct of that meant that if you heard about... A, a war, uh, sorry, a battle happening on the other side of the universe, 
you could get there in time to participate, therefore compounding the pressure on the server. And that so tie-dye created a problem with what was called capital proliferation, or actually it was called projection, projection of power. Yeah, power projection. So that was what they were trying to combat, power projection. And what they did was they ratcheted down your ability to move to a combat situation. You could always move, but you had to do it really slow. Otherwise, it would compound and totally strap you down into one uh, area. And it could get really bad because there were two things happening. One is you would jump and get tired, but you would also have this hangover effect. And if the hangover effect, uh, if you didn't let it go away and you jumped again, you would compound the hangover effect. And at first, you could be out of commission for a month. Like it was a 30-day... I think they didn't even put a cap on it at first, or they didn't say there was a cap. And then somebody said... I'm, I've just racked up 30 days of uh, jump fatigue, so I can't jump anywhere for 30 days. Well, that's way too ridiculous. That's way too ridiculous. Yeah. So what they did over time, and it took a long time for them to slowly start whittling that back, and I think the last time you saw that, um, when they really took a big, big chunk out of jump fatigue, was right before... I believe it was right before the tribute, the glassing of tribute to give you an idea of how Titans could travel from the South all the way to the North in less than a day. Uh, And 2018, also the UALX um, combat that was happening, uh, we saw a big fight break out in the South and we heard rumors that both the Imperium and and, uh, NCPL were getting into their Titans to try to make it to that fight in the same night that was after yes. they had adjusted it. So, it, it, in other words, it got back to the point where people thought they could make it to a fight on the same night. And well, I think, I think it's dangerous uh, if, we, uh, if we continue this and we're going to end up doing a, a yeah. full Eve history show. I, I would just like to point out... It's one the 18th birthday. Yeah, yeah, it is I know, 18th I know, birthday. I know, I know. Yeah. I, 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 there's just so much history, right? We have two full books that we could cover. I would just like to point <laughs> out that it's interesting when you're talking about force projection <clears throat> and participation and crashing servers... Um, before we got tie-dye. The, if you look at the records of uh, participation in big fights in EVE Online, it's funny to see how it's going up, but if you then compare to how the actual amount of potential people has actually gone down or flattened, that means that proportionally it's even more of a record-breaking thing every single year. And this is, again, the whole catch-up with technology being able to actually do these things, because... Back in 14, uh, even though it might feel like it's not that long ago, the tech was way weaker, right? It was really not capable of, of doing anything remotely like, well, four or 5,000 people in the system at the same time. That was just painful. Yeah, I remember CCP spent, I think it was like 2014 or 15, like a million dollars on their server technology or something. It's a huge number. And uh, what they said was the new server, the new normal server would be as strong as a reinforced node was before that. And uh, they did all, they put in all that technology. It took a while, but when they finally finished it, we still managed to uh, just jump on those servers and crash them. So 
Um, it doesn't matter. The players are going to want to get into the same historic fights because that's where the glory is and that sort of stuff. One more thing about jump fatigue, and then we'll stop with jump fatigue. And that was, at first, they said that jump freighters couldn't jump either. They were very limited. And what that did was, it was the, the idea was that you would live locally, and you would only be, again, able to attack your nearby neighbor. And if you deployed, it was going to be a painful, long deployment. And the idea, again, was to allow people to grow into different parts of the map. Uh, but there was a lot of complaining from players because they wanted to fight each other. And unless they lived near each other, that wasn't uh, easy. And they really hated the idea of jump freighters being tied down because that was their logistics. They weren't building anything organically in their area. They were having to import stuff and they did not want the jump freighters to be strapped down. So immediately CCP took that off the table and jump freighters always had that exemption. They could jump. And, and many of these things tie into the whole problem of quality of life creep, where I personally believe that CCP has caved to the player base because of the whole, well, it's just a game. I just think it's it's sad because the growth in the early days shows that the original USP is way stronger. At least to me, that's what it shows. And things like um, payment of usage of gates, of course, we have it for uh, player gates, but it was initially also supposed to be part of the design of uh, of, of the actual uh, normal gates, right? We had docking fee designs, we had uh, gate fee designs, we had uh, all of these things that were kind of slated because that would just create way too much strain on the game. It was too early to take away those training wheels, but they never really materialized. And And if you think about it, if you had meaningful fuel consumption or docking fees, many of the problems we have today would not really be that much of a problem because it would start spreading out, distributing out organically, becoming, uh, well, it would behave like an ecosystem and, and adapt to reality and, and player populations and things like that. But CCP was very afraid of that uh, in the early days. It took them forever to just fix something like, well, slot limitations in the sense of uh, office rental and, and things like that. But uh, yeah. All it's right. a long long story, but the, the yeah. point is, right now, last two years is when CCP has started rolling some of that back. Some of the things like the null first uh, agenda and all of these things have been rolled back, and I think it's really healthy. Yeah, and chat was pointing out there that uh, there is an aging player base, uh, as uh, some of well, us here spring chickens, are look part at of us. that. But um, there, there are new players coming in the game, and I think uh, a lot of that has to do with the uh, new uh, in- emphasis on Hasek and lore and everything else CCP's doing currently. So, All right, a couple more milestones here. Uh, you can see there's a, a sharp decline after Phoebe jump changes. Uh, it really starts to lose pressure. Uh, and then something magical happens. It shoots way back up into the 50,000s again, and that was... Anyone? Alphas. Alphas. Yeah, <laughs> became free to play. Until then, it was always 15 bucks a month or Plex. And so uh, that's what happened there. Alphas. And then another dip down here. What's this? Blackout. That's right. That's Blackout. Uh, blackout. And again, this is not population. So the players may have been the same. Say half a million players would have been the same. Nobody left. But what happened here is that they stopped logging in because What's interesting they couldn't do what they wanted to do. Is that effect 
that that was the null sec player base dropping out mainly because the blackout really didn't affect anything but null sec. So that that is the the drop in a lot of the null sec uh, and some of the industrialist people that were adding, uh, and obviously some bots too, right? Well, the bots were crushed. So if you look at that deficit, it can actually be 80% bots crushed. And that's why it dro- dropped so hard. Some people left the game, no doubt. But definitely people stopped logging in to do what they were usually going to do. Well, well they, the I think some people left. Similar to the, the whole frat is botting argument. It's like you can't tell the difference between a human player and a bot in, in any easy and meaningful way. So I would say that maybe 20% of those might have been bots at the maximum. The rest was actually just AFK-like gameplay style from the actual players. And players started coming back, right? People would drop out of the game for a week or a month or two, and they they normally always end up coming back. They're like, yeah, let's go play. Yeah, you can... They had they had to log out, right? Because the the way that they were playing the game with their AFK and multiboxing clients and all of that stuff, was really not possible anymore, so they had to log out. You can take a break, but you never really leave Eve. Right. <laughs> All right. And so you haven't left just because you're cutting down from 10 accounts to yeah, just have it's a like It's Hotel Reykjavik, right? I didn't even think about that, Caleb, but yeah, you're right. There's probably, some of that is probably people having extra accounts that were just AFK ratting, and they just stopped subbing their yeah. accounts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So because there's a huge dip doesn't mean that people left the game. And you also saw this effect, I, I believe, on the Plex market, right? Because now you didn't have to Plex these secondary and tertiary uh, accounts, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So again, the, this dip is uh, activity, and uh, that's different concurrent than people logins, right? Yeah, yes, concurrent, concurrent logins. logins so. But people did leave. Uh, there's a good, I mean, you can tell the Imperium was... Uh, uh, not liking these changes. They endorsed them at first or were ambiguous, and then they couldn't figure out if they liked them or not, and then they said, yeah, these aren't good. Uh, Test was on the record pretty, pretty early on saying we don't like these. Horde hated Blackout. Horde leadership. Most of the big no-blocks decidedly thought they didn't like it. Uh, at the well, time, I was in it, Razor, and we, we liked it. Well, there, there, there was um, a general uh, opinion, and I think that was the main problem that everyone kind of thought this was going to hint at conditional local, right? Which is something that was back on the old structures uh, roadmap where it was supposed to be that you didn't have local unless you had some sort of infrastructure to give it to you. And then uh, that kind of got slated and, and never uh, worked on most likely because technologically it was a little bit tricky. Uh, anyone that was around back then knows that the, there was experiments with the, with the chat clients and how the, the, the chat in-game operates, and then it was moved to, is it an Amazon service? I think so, right? So so all of these things yeah. uh, was something that was in the works but got cancelled. And then they brought this in, and everyone thought, oh, now that's, these things that are actually potentially going to happen because I think most null entities would like to have something where they have control over how local works, but that was not what we were given, right? They were basically just saying, no, 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 this is just going to be wormholes uh, mechanics forever, and everyone just uh, lost it. Now, what you're looking at here at the bottom is the all-time character creations 
And this spike here is alphas because, you know, 10,000 per day were coming to the, to the game to try it out since it was free. But if you look during blackout, there was a little bit of softness there, but it wasn't a complete crash. So people were still coming to EVE Online even during blackout. Mineral, that graph is just this year. You need the other one. Yeah. Oh, what the hell? I was on the wrong one. Here it is. Okay, and this looks more like it. There's, there's Alpha. That's the Tower of Alpha. 25,000 per day were... Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, but look at uh, blackout remains. Let's see, blackout would be here, I think. Mm. And yeah, there is there probably. is a little dip. Yeah, there is a little dip of players not coming in. But look at right afterwards. This was weird because when they oh. lifted blackout, the, I, I always thought this was suspicious. They they lift blackout, and you see that giant spike of uh, characters being created. Is, that's not is that people. A huge... That's people. No, that's that's them recuperating their bots that were destroyed during blackout, right? They I'm blacked sure. everything out. Sure. They destroyed all these bots. What do those guys do as soon as blackout's lifted? They create accounts to reconstitute, mm. and that's why I was like, "Well, no wonder." So, so what's this little dip over here on the left? Was that Monocle Gate? No, it was before Monocle Gate. I don't know what <laughs> that, that is. <laughs> that's a that's a huge dip that's there. a trough i don't what know happened? what that is that'd be interesting to find out yeah that's, uh, about yeah, about incursions like yeah that's what i was wondering is that summer that might be summer right? it's not uh 2011 or the first bernjita you know what this was actually this was the lead up to summer of yeah. uh rage and what this was i think was uh, there was no what development happening there was really no development happening they skipped a whole, I think they they missed a whole, like, development cycle. So there wasn't much going on. Yeah, Summer Rage is 2011, not 2010. Yeah, this is before. But remember, to, the Summer of Rage is, is the letdown of not developing good walking in stations content. People at this point in 2010 were wanting, you know, were waiting for walking in stations. So there wasn't a lot going on because that's where all the development was focused. Well, we have to remember that in initially when Captain's Quarters and Incarna hit, I can't remember exactly what date and year, um, but the problem was that it was melting our graphics cards and we, a lot of people <laughs> that were still in, in potato mode had no way of playing the game. And many new players mm, that could have come in might not have had the ability to actually play the game with the requirements uh, that was added. So until they made it something that you could opt out from, Again, there was a lot of things that led up to the Summer of Rage, but one of them was the delivery of uh, Incarna and how disappointing and technically horrible it was. It wasn't as bad. I mean, it's like saying the 70s totally sucked. It did for gas prices, but 70s weren't really, you know, that bad. It was, Marol. It Okay, one of my No, Incarna wasn't that bad. It was... Yet, and his... his his old card actually fried because he was trying to. Yeah, play mine did too. Mine I had just upgraded. And I'm I not disagreeing really with that. It, it was hard. It was incredibly. There's two things that went wrong. One is Incarna was mandatory. You couldn't log into a spinning ship. You couldn't log into a hangar at first, the first week. You had to log in to the new content, which was graphic intensive. So everybody's. You know, Eve was a very friendly game to old computers until Incarna, and then it just yeah. melted old computers. <laughs> so that was a if, real if problem. Had been, if, if you had a rig that could run maybe five clients afterwards, you could run one. 
and a lot of these popular games are extremely sensitive to that. Um, uh, working on older hardware, I like League of Legends or even Dota right. or Warcraft for well, that reason. So the uh, the Incarna though came on the heels of massive DDoS attacks for a week. It came on the heels of Dust Five One Four being announced as just a PS3 game. And these were successive hits. I'm talking days apart, not months. Then you had um, Incarna underperform. People checked it out on the test server, and they were like, I don't know how they're going to make this work in a couple weeks. I mean, the mirror doesn't even work, and the door doesn't open. <laughs> like, that's where all that came from. The, uh, it was buggy, and it wasn't, wasn't working right. And they didn't repair it before it came out they actually just took out the parts that were broken and said that door won't open that's for later and the mirror was just a piece of wall you couldn't see the reflection of your character and these were promises after technological displays demos of like look at how cool these figures are this is state-of-the-art stuff so when's that first dip really start there can you hover over that and show the date then on that very first dip that we're talking about there yeah may right all right so Tyrannus, this is what we're talking about. The thing came out May 26th, 2010. And that's right, you know. Yeah, Tyrannus was uh, PI. That's when PI was introduced. Yeah, but that's the next big release. That is the release of May May 26, 2010. Yeah, well, it, again, it's. I, I don't think it's expansion related. I, I think what no. happens here is it falls into a trough because there's there's this thing that is being delayed and, and they're not showing progress. So they weren't enticing new players to check out EVE Online and it lasted too long. Uh, and I think that's what happened there. Well, it's a mysterious trough, that's for sure. I, and I don't, I don't think we can get the correct answer because I don't no. think anything uh, that we've talked about right now could actually explain this entirely. It's just Probably the machines way, were broken. Way, way, way too low and... It's a complete break. It's, it's, it's like what happens when the servers die. Yeah. All right. So, let's, uh, so that's EVE Online. A little bit of history for you guys. I hope you don't mind us indulging and in, in going back and talking about how this game really became what it is. Single shard. It grew like crazy at first. It, it ran into this incredible imagination period. Uh, it had some downs. Um, and uh, again, like Godzilla's back... Uh, and going towards its tail, it kind of starts to slope down at the end there. But it's definitely recovered, and that is really difficult for games to do, to recover that way. Uh, and you can see one last thing, the little COVID bump is right here. That's when we got into 40,000 again, and we're like, that's a pretty strong place, 40,000. So, again, concurrent players. Okay, let's move on, shall we? All right, so talking about the 18th birthday, right? A few yeah. things happening. Uh, CCP started off the 18th birthday with a birthday stream, right? They had some giveaways. They did some stuff like that. Kind of neat. If you uh, happened to be online, you had a, got to see some neat trivia and some neat information. They gave away a bunch of prizes. Um, so that's pretty cool. They have a, a nice uh, little video, uh, about a four-minute video. If you go to the EVE Online News, you can have a little write-up. One of the things they're announcing is uh, that there are some new exploration data hacking sites from uh, basically they're the EOM Sino network spoofing facilities, which is uh, the equilibrium of mankind. So if you listen last night, it's part of the lore. There's some pretty nice uh, drops uh, happening. Some uh, 
some some skins, a bunch of decryptors, eleventh, um, you know, all the different overseers tier stuff, uh, all sorts of stuff. Uh, some uh, some boosters for skill chain time boosters, all sorts of stuff's dropping. So Can that's I guess also uh, point out about the quiz thing that they did. I think they did three rounds, three rounds of, of quizzes, uh, yep, of, of trivia quizzes. That I think it clearly shows that. Fozzie and Suetonia and even Ash is actually massively OP when it comes to quizzes like this. <laughs> and they should not be allowed to participate. We should just ban them automatically <laughs> no. from anything like this. <laughs> yeah, they did pretty there at the top a lot. Um, and so there's there's yeah, even a new... Double number three and four. Like, yep. What the hell is going on? And for on? those of us who uh, had to live through the M2 TAC uh, battles and the subsequent camps, there's a nice new memorial up in space in M2 TAC as well. That's a nice little picture of that in the uh, 18th birthday news post there, right there. There it is. And there's uh, skins for sale in the in New Eden store, all sorts of stuff. Um, all sorts of things happening. Oh, yeah, Ash, it's not that, that you're not allowed to play. I just think that you should be put in some sort of elite league by yourself so you three can sit there and play each other. <laughs> right. Um, just a, one other thing that they launched today was the uh, the Foreman pack. It's another one of the uh, these new packs. It's a bit pricey, about 140 bucks US is what it is, but you get 90 days of Omega, 1,500 Plex, 250,000 skill points, an expert cerebral accelerator, a actual um, three-month multiple character training um, slot, some skins and pilot clothing, and you'll get Caleb to give you a very personalized I don't like it message if you buy it. No, 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 no. I'm actually going to say this one, this pack actually seems to have some decent value. It, it hits that nice sweet spot where there's just the right value to, um, I think, make uh, people that can also math actually do the credit card thing. Okay, well, I read that one wrong. Excellent. If you if you start if you start looking at the details and and and, and crunch, the yeah, numbers, it's, there's a lot um, of stuff there, right? Which is, yeah, which is usually done in this house. Uh, we actually looked at it and said, "Oh, this is actually a decent pack." So uh, I think uh, we've bought two packs, maybe. Yeah. Um, oh, really? And, uh, nice. I, I I didn't opt in because uh, I, I I just got the twelve month thing, so I didn't think yep. it was. Uh, I, I didn't think I should, we should credit card even more, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's fair, I, fairly good value. For out it. of fairness, I already talked with uh, with the the wife about uh, hey, you know, 140 times you know X number of accounts, and she's like, wow, that's like a whole project around the house. Hmm. So you could, went, huh? you could build a chicken coop for that price. <laughs> yeah, almost. Rendell right. asked prior to do this stuff. I ask after. <laughs> Well, it's just we're doing a lot of stuff around the house. Yeah, we're doing a lot of stuff around the house right now. Ask so. for forgiveness. Yeah. 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 I'll give you a pizza with pineapple on your bread. Yeah, very much. Um, and also just I think we're down to – I think what, during the stream they talked about the Webby Awards down to the last 15 hours. So I think what, that was – that was maybe six hours ago. So we're probably down to the last eight or nine hours of the Webby Awards uh, if you want to help. Yeah, we skipped the... covering that yesterday, right? Um, yeah. yeah, it was a, a really, really good stream uh, with Project Discovery, and of course, where they talked about and and did the whole uh, right vote brigading thing. <laughs> Go yeah. vote! Uh, I do think they do. <laughs> they deserve this prize. No shame. Amazing. And if you listen to what the scientists are saying about this, it's 
uh, it deserves something, uh, some recommendation and uh, and laurels uh, like this. It's like this. We are literally saving lives. Day to day, we might be horrible people, but because of things like Project Discovery, we are literally saving human lives. Well, you know, there was that one guy that was gaming it for. It, I think right? staying at home and gaming <laughs> is saving lives. Right. Yeah, it is. So Eve's just saving all kinds of lives. People, we're helping the science move forward, which is important because that's something that's not going to go away. We're going to need to know more and more about the virus, and if this helps scientists learn more and more about its characteristics, it's not important just for this one, but the next one too. Yeah, it's it's the, it's the huge uh, proof of concept, right? Because we've always, oh, for quite a, a while now, we've talked about crowdsourced science being the thing that should really start emerging and it's really not picked up uh, on a massive scale the same with stuff like distributed uh, computing and things like that we uh, most of us here are, are nerdy and old enough to remember ct at home and folding at home and all of these projects and yes they got traction but i think project discovery has really proved it because of the choice of uh, game and uh, player community. Because I don't think any other group and community out there could have done this uh, at this scale. We are just so naturally prone to this type of, of stuff, sitting there just grinding hours and hours of, of these things in you know, how many years? 330 something years of work is what we've put into uh, this latest project discovery thing that is crazy numbers and the scientists just it, we blow their mind every time we do this yeah it's a lot of, it's a lot of time a lot of crowdsourced time for sure so uh, can it's, like, it's, it's like you feed, you feed the Eve community with with some data set <laughs> and, and, and a few days later they go yeah that's fine done numbers. More. have some more yeah so we're doing the big birthday. Uh, we're doing the big birthday show today. Here, obviously, we're we're cranking out on the time, but let's just talk yeah. a little bit about the market. Two things I want to talk about: the market. Uh, Manscar and I were talking. Manscar and I were talking about this before the show. Oh, ho hold on, Rundle. Rundle. I feel yeah. like the the four of us just came into a room talking, and we jumped on the couch and sat down and started watching TV. And lo and behold, there was a guest, and we're just sitting on him. That's what I'm trying to get to. Oh, good. That's what I'm trying to get to. Let's get to. Okay. Trying to hustle along to get to the guest. Okay. That's right. Wait patiently. All right. So real quickly, Manscar and I were talking, and if you are doing buybacks or any sort of trade where you're using, you know, the online tools, specifically, yeah, Eve Frazel, that the sometimes you set to the Jita price on the and go by the Eve buy, you're going to get a super low price. So uh, I think it's because of the rapidly rising buy sell orders, and there's a bunch of old orders left. So the the thing is now selling for 250,000 isk, but a bunch of old buy orders are still sitting all over the universe at like 4,000 um, in the in the region and. In the region, it's just screwing with the prices. Anyway, Manscar came across this. Be very careful. It's just more of a public service announcement. Be very careful if you're doing that. Check your prices. Really check your buy prices. Talk to your alliance corporation. Make sure you're not getting screwed on the money either direction. So just a little uh, little note there. Uh, so let's talk about really quickly. Yeah, let's talk about Army of Mango. Bastion lost some infrastructure hubs in Esoteria to Army of Mango. 
Now that brings up our guest who happens to be from AOM. So let's turn to that part of the new, part of the show. Yeah, so uh, I was actually part of this um, today. Oh, um, I was part of the fleet. And uh, so we pinned four times tonight. Like it was quite crazy since we pinned like, uh, it was like uh, 3.15 a.m. in China and 5.15. We pinned twice. It was really early and um, I was surprised by the number that we got, to be honest. So, so we were there and we had some allies helping us to reinforce and to take over a lot of uh, IHUB con uh, controlled by Bastion in Esoteria and some in Faith of Olus as well. So where do you guys stand as far as being allies with Legacy Coalition? Uh, are you guys helping with the war in Delve or are you uh, primarily uh, like allies with uh, Legacy and just helping them kind of fight off the uh, invaders? Uh, we are legacy. We are part of legacy. That's uh, technically how it works. Do you, and so we do, do deploy conflict? in Delve. We do deploy in Delve right now. Fighting. We sometimes we get a lot of skirmishes in uh, in Delve, but uh, so it goes back to the time zone thing, where in our time zone there's also fraternity in Delve, and we I think we try. First of all, we we still have like a huge mess in Azotiri that we need to solve. And plus, I think we're trying to avoid them in some, in some degree. Yeah, Shani, right. uh, so you have, uh, what do you have on the screen there, Matterall? Uh, Esoteria, but also Army of Mango. So you can see the, they're yellow there. And yeah, uh, If you're just showing up, this is what's called an influence map. This is a, a map that kind of generally shows the, the ownership, the property, who's, who's got the name on the property sign. Uh, of all the areas in Nullsec. So if you're looking at this, you've never seen this picture before. That's what it's all about. It unfortunately is less accurate than it used to be because it was based on Dominion Sov, which uh, meant if you owned the system, that said something. But now we know that putting your name in front of the system is, is kind of a last thing you do. The real power struggles aren't very visible here. So this is the Varite influence map or player influence map, and it's just not as accurate as it used to be. Right. Yeah, it only shows the uh, TCU uh, on there. It doesn't show the iHub. The iHub's what is important. The right? iHub is the one that's the most important. That's the most important one. For those that may not know how SOV works, I'll try to explain it, but somebody can correct me. But essentially, you fight over permission to build in the system. And if you destroy the infrastructure hub, that allows you to destroy their, your opponent's ability to build infrastructure in that area. And uh, then after you do that, you put your own. And once you have permission to build infrastructure, then you put the sign out the door that says, hey, this is our space. And so it's more of an afterthought. That's the territorial claim unit. That's the sign you put in the front yard to say this is our area. Right. I think the only use for TCU uh, is to build super caps. You, you have to have uh, the TCU in order to have the uh, ability to put the rigs in in that system to build super caps in your CTO. Isn't it? Isn't it the TCU where you place your system upgrades into? Isn't that or is that which one is that? So when you remove your that, system, that's the iHub, I think. Is that into the iHub? That's iHub upgrade. Yeah, that's the iHub. Okay. I, I just know I go out and help increase indexes. I don't actually do the 
the the moving of the item. So I know it goes into one of those structures. Yeah, but, the only yeah. thing that allows you, uh, the only thing that TCUs, uh, territorial claim units, allow you to do is to save fuel on the structures that are in the system. But also uh, start okay. the timer. As a right? elder Rick says on the system, the TCU starts a timer, if I'm not mistaken, of how long you own the system. I think that's right too. Yeah, yeah. So what? Uh, so Shaoshen, uh Army of Magno. What uh, Army? Yeah, let's try it again. The Army of Mango. So what else uh, did you want to uh, talk about today in regards to AOM? Uh, I guess about IGC. It's a group that we started to fight recently. Um, I think there's. I remember one bad or two battles that we, I was part of. Uh, when we were trying to take take over the um, the capital system for IGC, uh, there were two big fights. One fight was uh, we were uh, in a Serb fleet. We were trying to reinforce the IGC uh, jump gate, and they jumped uh, six dreads and one carrier on grid. We called up uh, XIX, and we managed to kill four out of the six, and but the carrier also ran away. So that was a pretty successful fight. Uh, so I was taking over the uh, IHA plus the jump gate in, in, uh, for IGC in the capital system. And another time was <laughs> the time we ate some shit, uh, which was the time we were kind of backed up by fraternity, where uh, I, I think we were trying. To, so on that day, we had uh, a few faxes uh, to uh, to intosis the notes or in total the IHUB, and one of our, uh, Minokawa was uh, was attacked by, I think, a third-party group, either the Initiative or some other, uh, either it's Imperium or third-party groups, and they were trying to get there and to help. And when we got through the gate, uh, Fraternity had a Munion fleet that's 20 kilometers off the gate, and uh, we first thought they were there to help us because it's kind of like a pappy initiative or like a, a test initiative or like a legacy initiative but uh it turns out they started to uh web and scram our fleet and because it was a short range so nightmares didn't work really good against uh munis at that range so we i think lost like majority of our fleet nightmare fleet ouch those are gonna be a little pricey to replace so uh yeah especially billion each now yeah. yeah, it's really pricey. So, so is is this part of a, a bigger push into Esoteria, or is this just a... Uh, that's Infithabolis. Oh, that, 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 those fights were in Feth, but is that, yeah. are those... Maybe you can't talk about is that... Are you setting yourself up to go into Esoteria, or are you just picking on Esoteria, you know, because of the fights going on there, or, or is there just no relationship? This is just to manage Feth. Uh, I, I think our goal is to make IGC starts to pay rent again uh part of the deal okay yes they were renters right and right now they are independent and it's like nope we're, I, I think that's what we're told but uh, I, I, i'm not oh, in any sort of like strategic fair content, enough so so uh you know when i asked you that i kind of asked an open-ended question which i, I know better than i shouldn't do where i was actually going to go was you personally what have you been up to because you have some personal good news to share Oh yeah, um, I'm actually one of the if partners uh, on the Chinese side. I have a channel in uh, Billy Billy, which is a Chinese. It's sort of like the Chinese YouTube in China, and I post oh, videos on there. That's awesome. 
Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations. <laughs> yeah. I took you got out the partner status. Week. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks. Excellent. If we would like to watch that, how would we do that? Uh, I'll grab you guys a link. Yeah. Is it playable in the uh, outside of China? I, my ignorance showing. Oh, yeah, it is. It, yeah. Like in China, you can play YouTube, but outside of China, you can play uh, the Chinese website. Ah, yeah, we, okay. we can absolutely get to Billy Billy. Excellent. So, is there is there a Billy Billy uh, version of talking in stations? Like, can, can do we get like simulcast in China? I mean, I, there's a similar one where it talks about serenity politics instead of tranquility ones. And uh, okay. I think Norris was on there once. Uh, our chairman Mento was on there once, and there was a time where both of them were on it. It was quite uh, it was quite peaceful to be honest at that time. And both oh, okay. Leaders. Excellent. Nice. We're peaceful, right? Ah, it's Eve, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, compared to like um, other shows, yeah, pretty peaceful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Excellent. All right, Matterall, back to you. All right. Well, uh, one more thing there. Uh, the you're also an industrialist, right? Uh, I'm I'm actually very different from other industrialists. Uh, after the change, I found out because so, I build things for myself, and I don't build things to sell or anything like that. I see. So, so. actually, I put a lot more money into uh, building stuff than actually get money out of it. I see. But you build and you pay attention to building issues and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's too early to tell. So we haven't had another round table, but I just want to see like, how have you been in the last week or so since the changes came through? So actually on the, on the day of the death block released, I sold all my stuff. I built a, I bought a super carrier. And so ever, ever since that, uh, I was building my own, uh, modules for the carrier, like all the fighters, all the capital shield extenders, and all that stuff. Starting to save some money to grab all the faction modules that you can't build. And I was trying to build everything I could, I think. Uh, for example, the capital shield, Concord capital shield extender. Uh, so before we moved from Omis to Esoteria, we had twice uh, for the incursions. And it was right after I got on my carrier, so I I, I was meant, I was uh, participating in those fleets. So I got like uh, six hundred thousand uh, Concord LP, and I traded them to for the blueprint for the five front blueprint, and I bought some T two ones in Gita, and then sh shipped it down here, and I started building that. Uh, for other things like T two modules, for example, the capital um, cap booster and the fighter uh, fighter support unit two, uh, I built a T one hull. With the minerals, and I buy the T two materials components from Hisec, and then ship it down. That's how I build things right now, and uh, I'm in, in the middle of building all the fighters. And I guess something about the um, the in industrial changes, which is right before that, I managed to build uh, one of each of the Triglavian ships, which I was quite happy about because I I, I really like the look of them. I really like them. And uh, it was really like a motivation for me to start building them. So out of curiosity, what did your uh, super carrier cost? Uh, 19 billion with three T2 rigs. Nice. So, I mean, so like within a couple prices. of days, they cranked up to 40 billion, right? They doubled in a couple yeah, of days. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. right after the Deathlock was released. 
Yeah, I was just that's what I was wondering. Oh, you I said see. that, and I was just wondering how how you ended up to how you ended up faring on that because if you waited even a couple more days, forty billion for almost all of the all of the supercarriers. Yeah, I was I was kind of ready to uh to buy it. I was, I was I was trying to not sell everything I had. Like I sold like two hundred capital doom bay or something like that that I bought for like one point one. I sold it for three billion. I sold and a part of actually a big part of the money was. I made in the um, Christmas event. In that event, it gave a lot of uh, overseer effects. I sold all of them for like I had I had them. I used the uh, high sec uh, filament at the time. I shipped to high sec, and I, I got into Concord Station. I never sold them because I was training up the uh, the trading skills on my high sec account. And uh, so right around that time, I I would just fly to those stations. I sold them for like three billion at the end that I made over the two weeks in Christmas, and that was a big part of the money too. And I had some money left over from ratting as well. So it's like money everywhere, and then combined together, that's like nineteen billion. So I think we're looking at your site now. Yep, that is my site. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Again, congratulations on getting a partner. Well done. This doesn't look very Eve up here. What's going on? That where is this? A... Uh, it's 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 just a default. Oh, okay. It's just a default. Uh, yeah, this is a mainly like anime. Uh, I think. Shao Shen, when are you moving all of this to a YouTube so we can watch it and and get some uh, subs? I mean, I do have all the videos saved in my drive, and I can maybe I'll do it one day because uh, yeah. This this is mainly for the Chinese players. I don't know how well this will respond on the YouTube site, but I, I would definitely try. We might be able to syndicate or something. How many views do you get? I I can't. Uh, I don't see any numbers in my. Uh, it depends on videos. Like yeah, just in general. Like what are you? So right now, I have forty videos, and in total, I have like fifty-six thousand views. Ah, nice, um, pretty good. Look at you. That's nice. So, so one of the members in the audience asks, uh, which Chinese language do you speak natively, and do you use Mandarin on your videos? Oh uh, yes, Mandarin. Yes, Mandarin. Uh, because most people in China speaks Mandarin. So yeah, that's the safe bet. Yeah. Then, then, then you can just uh, uh, collaborate with someone like uh, Carneros or uh, yeah. our own Rich Richmond and do English commentary over your Mandarin commentary on the videos. I, Good idea. Maybe I, I'll try one I day. see some chemistry coming together. Well, I just want to see some of that content. It's, it's, it's mysterious. It's, it's, a, it's the other way around when I don't know who did it, but one of you, you I think it was, was it Mangoes or Frat? One of the guys actually uh, translated all of Jintan's videos into Mandarin, which was kind of impressive. There's a Talking in Stations translated there too. Uh, to two languages, I think, but just think one episode. Too much episode. work. I think that's the episode where you interviewed uh, our high command and the chairman. Nice. You guys could do it. Like we got the Madrill's been talking about doing a, you know, a show in in Spanish. You got uh, Caleb and McLeod doing it in European. Um, <laughs> what, you know, uh, you guys could, you guys uh, could, uh, you and Rich could do a, a Chinese uh, talking and, in stations. And you speak we could, Canadian. And I, I do okay, Canadian, right? I'm doing Canadian anytime. How how good do you think McLeod and I are at languages? You do know that it's like 17 languages in here if you're saying European. I know, I know. 
But you guys just sound like you're talking oh. European anyway. So. Yeah, so I, hey, maybe there's something to, to brew up here. We could do a, a little uh, talking, in sta- talking in Stations, the, la- the alternate language series or the international language series. Let me say it that way. Yeah. It sounds like great ideas. Uh, we'll oh. talk. We'll talk. All those are adjacent users, we call them. They're people who want this uh, content, but they're not able to get it for some reason. A lot of it is language barriers. Other things are um, knowledge barriers. And the more of those kinds of things you break down, the wider your audience can grow, Uh, which uh, is one of the reasons Talking in Stations has so many views. By the way, we hit 1.2 million views in the last 365 days, uh, and we're just averaging uh, 10 to 15,000 I think it's per unique viewers per week, about forty. It's it's, it's higher than that. Is it, it higher? We oh. are getting between four and six thousand views per day, and of those, about uh, a third of them are unique, as far as I can tell. Now, that's not just because we decided to do this and are consistent, although both those things help. But it's because we pay attention to the adjacent user, like who's the person that can't access the content and why not. And, and then we try to figure out, was it a language barrier? Well, let's try to get past the language barrier. Is it a knowledge barrier? Let's try to get past that. And there's all kinds of different reasons, um, but you have to kind of look at it. So, Oh, uh, and just, just to point out to Rundle, we are actually doing a dedicated Euro show. So anyone that's interested in stuff that's adjacent to EVE Online, <laughs> so tech news, uh, things that relate to CCP, I really suggest that you go and check out our Euro show. We are actually doing a decent job in, in giving you interesting snippets of news from the gaming world. And next show is uh, tomorrow, shortly, shortly, tomorrow. right? And, uh, very shortly, yes. Tomorrow, and, we also... and, uh, and we already have, uh, I think we almost, almost have the full slate. So everything is ready and set to go. Yeah, yeah. it's also on YouTube. It, it will be very heavily uh, CCP Eve related, even though it's not going to have anything to do with actual in-game stuff. By the way, we also have Eve Echoes going. Those are adjacent users, too. They're people who want to play Eve, maybe, but they can't spare the time or it doesn't fit into their lifestyle or they have never heard of Eve Online but heard of Eve Echoes. Whatever the point is, like those are adjacent users as well. But all I wanted to say with all that was that the idea, the, the, the way that we've come to where we are today, which is a little news and a little discourse, is not because it was the most natural. It's really thought about like this is just the way that we can this is just the format that we can continue to do that's rewarding to us the guys in here and the audience at the same time so a lot of it's by design so i'm pretty happy it's all working out but it does take a lot of actual planning it just doesn't look like it has any planning so all our mistakes are on purpose madderall can i get you to say on stream that you promise every viewer we have that you will do a spanish show if ccp announces that they will do an actual Spanish localization. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll take one day a week and just do it in Spanish if there's a, a, a community out there that, that wants it. And there are. By the way, back to uh, our guest, Jen. I'm looking at your comments here. They're pretty uh, rough. This, this, one, this one's not mine. <laughs> how, did I, how did I fall over to this one? Where? Let me go back. Here you got go. lost in Billy Billy. Okay, I'm looking at your comments now. They're pretty rough. Uh, I'm just kidding. I don't know what they're saying, but there's actually a lot of smiley faces, so you're probably in good shape. I mean, a lot of people, I guess, watches. Uh, so my audience, at least my target audience, is people who 
actually play on tranquility. Ah. But speaks Chinese, so the only, I guess, a few, only a few groups like fraternity, OM, and uh, de- uh, decorates, and Red Ranger regiments. Like only the few big groups, I guess. Yeah, because because it's, I mean it's a similar content in both Serenity and Tranquility. Let's say uh, if I make a tutorial for like carrier ratting, right? That we work for both. But if I talk about like some politics in games and some like. Uh, uh, market stuff that's only like server specific so i love it how does alien really feel about fraternity oh that's for another question episode. that's for the another please, episode please explain the 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 grudge thing yes please. okay so okay so i joined like uh at around like april 2020s so i wasn't there for the big fraternity war but all I heard was we got backstabbed by fraternity. So we were helping fraternity, but they were pushing us away from their uh, super umbrella. And we made a deal with Tess and we and we started working with Tess and starting to attack fraternity. So our chairman, Mental, he was really conscious about like, we will never be friends, we will never be blue with fraternity. But so before the... Um, before the nightmare of nightmares uh, happened, our high command had slight hope. Well, when uh, I was on the voice uh, voice conversation with him, and I heard like he he's, he admitted that he had a slight hope that uh, things can go back to like blue at least, or like at least not this hostile. But after that nightmare nightmare happened. Um, He's on the side with our chairman, which is, yeah, this is not going to work out with fraternity. Because fraternity has a history of backstabbing. It's not only us. He was, there was a backstab like fire before, I think, in the Zhong region on the border of Zhong and Angel side. Yeah. Where they told the uh, fire to, oh, we have a nip right now, and then you can deploy your force out, uh, to other places. And I think two days after that, after the, all the fire forces are moved, they started to attack them right away. So yeah, I think Nero I mean, says that, that still... might be propaganda that I heard, but no, no, no. I think it's true because he said he'd made some moves in the past that he's that still haunt him. So it was a learning experience that you can't betray people that blatantly without paying for it in your reputation forever. Yeah, you yeah. ever do something like that in Eve? It sticks with you. We, we don't forget. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So. I mean, I, we are working with them right now, but uh, part of us waiting for the war to be over and uh, we can start actually formally to attack them. But in, in a way, we're living really far, so soft warfare would be really hard, but maybe skirmishes on each other's place, that would be possible. And also, we're, we're camped by them right now. So <laughs> I, love the, I love the way you say it. So it's like lamenting. Oh, we're camped by them. <laughs> we're camped we're camp at both Goonswarm and Fraternity oh. two, two sets so you guys will be okay some, I, of I, our, I, some of our systems are more Fraternity and Goonswarm guys than actually our people so I've heard that uh, AOM has older more mature more respectful players uh, of uh, Chinese tradition than uh, Fraternity is that true in your estimation in my view yes because I think a lot of 
so this is how I feel about fraternity, which is part of their um, population is made out of people who who started with tranquility but they didn't join serenity, so they're the um, minority group in in tranquility server. But also part of them is people who got evicted from the server in in serenity because we cleared all null space in serenity, but we also cleared out all of the wormhole space. So everything is evicted. Jeez. Can I ask a, a, a side question on that? Because I, I was always a little bit puzzled at the size of Serenity, that it wasn't bigger considering that it had such a potentially mm -hmm. huge audience. Is Eve not very well known uh, among Chinese gamers, or is it just because it's too niche and and there's other alternatives that the, the gamers in, in China are actually focused on? Uh, I think part of that is, um, I mean, uh, like this game, like uh, EVE Online, you actually went to the CCTV once when one of the top military guests talked about the Raven, uh, Raven battleship. Or like he talked about if this ship is in actual in real world, it can't fly. Aerodynamically, it can't fly. It was <laughs> it was a meme after that, right? All the time. So I think it grabs the attention, but in a lot of ways, is people just don't have the time to commit to this game. It's a massive game, and right now there are a lot of like uh, game companies like Tencent. I don't know if you guys heard of yeah. it. Mm -hmm. They made a lot of like quick, easy games, like um, the mobile version of League of Legends. Those kind oh, of yeah. stuff, where it's, it's really quick and you can just play it for five minutes and you, or 10, 20 minutes, you just get off, you can go back to work or something like that. Yeah. It's really a long time commitment. So, on, on that, on just kind of on, on the, that question as well, the primary gaming platforms in China are mobile phones, then consoles, and then PCs. Is that it's correct? It's actually mobile phone, PC, and then console. Yeah, just, yeah. Oh, then PC, yeah, then console. Okay. But mobile phone for sure by, by, by way, yeah, way amount, yeah. right? So. Yeah. Because you don't really see a lot of console in China. That's how I feel, at least from what I observed when I was in China. So mm. that, that could account for it. My Man's next car. question. What's a mango? Uh, it's a fruit. Mango? It's a fruit. A fruit? fruit? Or... So you're an army of fruit? No. Well, mango is actually the Chinese translation of uh, mango, which is the same sound. But what it actually means is Goal states dog in China in Chinese, and man is the first part of mento. So this is the name that uh, our enemy gave us, which is called we are the dogs for mento, which is our chairman, and that's we carry this name around to tranquility. It's very interesting. That very story cool story. I feel like you knew that already, Manscar, and you were just baiting him into that story. <laughs> Uh, we, it's nice. He's speaking for the audience, trying to you know the people. Yeah, who don't well played. Ask. Well played. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's what our job is. To whenever, whenever we look ignorant, we're actually just channeling the people who don't know. <laughs> that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. Here you go yeah. with it. Yeah. yeah. I think last time, I, I think last time you guys asked the same question to uh, to Mento and Fukuhorn last time when he when they were on the show as well. Yeah, yeah. I I think that. Uh, that question comes up a lot. Army of Mango sounds a little—it's a little bit odd in English because uh, yeah, when you compare it to other alliance names, like yeah, right, <laughs> it's actually a great name compared to other alliance yeah. names. But. Right. Oh, some. 
So, I've um, learned something today, though. That I didn't know you guys also took over all the wormhole space. Uh, I thought it was all just the, the NullSec space on the uh, So what server. happened at the end was there was last remaining group stayed in wormhole. They had to keep starting there. So, okay, I, I, I watched this video on the history of how they evicted people from wormhole is every time, so they have a, a scout in the wormhole, they scan every wormhole that's possible and they safe lock people in that space until they have enough force that they think is possible to take to take over the, that keep star. And then they relock everyone in and then start the attack. That's pretty incredible. I mean, at the same time, we, we have like a huge capital advantage. Like, so the Basically, the battle for an eye attack U6U, I think I also see, is on the gates between Quirius and Faith Abolis. Uh, uh, so we had a big fight there. It's sort of like the M2, but scaled down. After that fight, so at the time, it was like um, us, PIBC, uh, in Serenity, with everyone else. It, it's, it's sort of like right now with Grunstorm and Pappy, but instead... We didn't choose to defend our last stand. We defend. We start. We chose to defend our first line um, of, of defense. So we had a big fight with them there, and we won. And we just glanced through everywhere else. Pretty neat. All right. Well, uh, listen. It's been great talking to you. We're going to talk uh, after the show about languages and that kind of stuff. Congratulations on being a partner with. Uh, uh, CCP, that's fantastic. Yeah, in Mandarin. Yeah, it's great. Welcome to the club on behalf of everybody else in it. There's a lot of cool people in it, uh, but congratulations there. I want to thank everybody for joining us. It's all the time we have today, so we'll be back you tomorrow. You don't want to find out about my broken heart? You don't have a heart. Do it. I, oh, well, there's that. Uh, I didn't know it. I brought it up at the real beginning. I, I do. I brought uh, it up at the real beginning. Name. Okay, let's let's wrap up with that. Go ahead. All right. Well, here's why I have a broken heart. Because, you know, for the last few weeks, I've been helping one of the audience members, Nick Bison, with his CSM campaign. But it's come to my attention that he has actually been scamming me out of my money. I've been donating a lot of my personal money and time to his fictitious Cat Eve campaign. And it turns out that I am not going to talk about this any further so his vote soon, vote off and campaign, total sham. And I apologize to all listeners who have had to go on this ride with me and, and talking to stations. I will no longer talk about it. So does that mean the Bison Pack is fake and I'm not going to get my money back? That's what that means. Oh, I'm sorry I sold you those, but that's what that means. Yes. <laughs> Damn. All right. What, you guys didn't get paid? The letdowns. Okay. Sorry about that. Uh, uh, that you uh, got duped there, Rundle. Uh, I think that's it, unless you guys have anything else. So we're all done, right? I'm afraid to ask. Happy birthday, Eve. Happy birthday. There you go. We're not going to sing. No. We're not. Hell no. All right. Thanks, you guys, for coming around. Uh, Jen, Caleb, Alex Gar, and Rundle. And Nick Bison, too, who's out there. And by the way, Nick Bison's the guy that puts the chapters in all these videos. So he might be a scammer for CSM, but he's a great guy. Uh, he does a lot of work for you guys. So you can get right to the content you want in the videos. Thank him. 
and thank you. And we will see you next time on Talking in Stations.